With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Um, and uh, uh, today's podcast, which I think we're going to be able to drop before the Final Four or the National Championship game begins is emanating live from New Orleans, Louisiana. Actually, I'm in the Superdome, and we're a couple hours, I don't know, several hours before tip-off. So here's there's a, there's a bunch of different things that I want to get to. Um, when you're in New Orleans, when you're at the Final Four, you get to catch up with old friends and um, some old enemies, right? You're like... You're talking to everybody in basketball. And frankly, there's people from other sports here as well. I had a smoothie with Latroy Hawkins. Remember Latroy Hawkins? Yeah, he was nasty. It's nasty. Anyway, um, and and there's there's some things that jump out to me which should be said. And the great thing and the response I've gotten from all you about the podcast has been, one, the guests are great, and we have an awesome guest for you today. And I will point out that our guest today we we kind of ran out of time to get into Kansas really because they did lose to Kansas. I mean, I'm sorry about that one. That oh, that's a that's probably my bad. I think actually, right? I should have gotten into Kansas with him. That's okay. He tell us he joined us, and we'll break down. He can break down the game and and tell you what what's what. Um, our guest today is Chris Caputo. Chris was uh, most recently the assistant assistant head coach at the University of Miami. They of course lost in the late eight to Kansas. We'll talk a little bit about that Kansas game, but mostly about his rise from a Division Three player whose dad had probably the most unique job. Anybody in the A-10s? I don't know. It, it really, the guy's unique. Um, he's really interesting. He's from Queens. Then he went to Mass. Then he went to George Mason. And then he went to Miami. And now he's at George Washington. It really has been kind of seamless, and uh, he'll he'll join me upcoming. We'll talk about uh, about his journey 
to becoming named head coach of George Washington University late last week. And today is officially his first day on the job. Meanwhile, in Gotham, yeah, let, let's let's discuss all other things basketball wise. Um, I'm still kind of like on a high from that Carolina Duke game. I will caution people over this. It's the greatest college basketball game I've ever seen. Like you don't have to go back that far in terms of people being in attendance to see unbelievable final fours with unbelievable endings. Right. Like Virginia with a foul call in the corner on Auburn in the national semifinal. And then Texas Tech and Virginia in the national championship game going to overtime. All that was just, uh, I guess, three seasons ago. Right. Three seasons ago. But that was the last final four that people attended uh, in like, full attendance in, in Minneapolis. That was before COVID. That was an unbelievable final four. Of course, Chris Jenkins hit what I think is the biggest shot in the history of American sports. Um, as the buzzer expires to win a championship was remarkable, incredible. So, I mean, I could go through all of the great games, recent and not so recent. This one was a great one. This one also was very meaningful because it's Carolina Duke in the tournament for the first time. Carolina Duke in the Final Four. Mike Krzyzewski's last game going against um, a guy who, frankly, played against Coach K and played in the Final Four in Hubert Davis. So I, I think all those, and then, of course, uh, to a slightly lesser extent, having Kansas and Villanova, Blue Buds, New Bloods, whatever, in the Final Four, it, it, all, it makes it for a great storyline, a great game, and, and something worthy of discussion. However, however, I think it was a great game. I don't know if it was the greatest game ever. It did come down to a last second. The last 30 seconds were kind of, eh, it's over. But let's give credit to North Carolina, who found a way uh, to win a game in, in which um, look, they were down, what, one with a minute and 19 to go. And that's when Coach K called the timeout and tried to set his defense, put Mark Williams in the game. And, of course, uh, that's when North Carolina hit a couple more shots and, and ended up winning a national cha- or playing for a national championship. I, I thought that uh, the adjustment of Hubert not really playing his bench was big. Obviously, they play a completely different style than the one that they previously played. So that's got to be a good portion of the reason why it took so long for this team to hit. Um, They're a little loose with the basketball, but it kind of works because he gives them freedom and they have a ton of self-confidence. And I thought they got after it defensively. I thought Brady Manick uh, managed himself and didn't get into foul trouble early in the game, knowing Paolo Boncaro is going to come after him. Um you know, Duke and, and the foul trouble inside. Part of that is you have to adjust to the officiating. You know, the the, the first game, there, there were hardly any calls. I didn't like the second call on Dave McCormick, and I thought that one put Villanova back in the game because he had one foul and he let his player go and lay the ball in basketball. I think it was Dixon. And that should have been shouldn't have been a foul. But if you watch that game fairly tightly officiated early, the same could be said for Carolina. And I think it was even more tightly officiated in the Carolina Duke game because they knew they wanted to let it get up and down and running, but you can't do it until you loosen up the offici- loosen up the, the hand-to-hand comet, and the only way to do that is to tightly officiate the game early. So that that's what I feel like happened uh, with Duke getting into foul trouble. Um, do I love that half the Duke players walked off without shaking hands? No. Do I think it's the end-all, be-all? No. Do I think there's some confusion there and you lose a game and it's your last game and you're sad and you just want to get out of the get out of the place? Like, I totally get. 
what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to do the Mike Shashevsky bashing. Like it, it, it really is on some level beneath so many people in our industry. He, he's not, no coach is perfect. Not as every decision he made was right. And I genuinely believe that his presence was the biggest reason for the hype more so even than, uh, than the fact that there are rivals separated by eight miles, you know, playing against each other. So, uh, you know, I, I thought they went to Boncaro a lot, probably could have gone a little bit more. Um, I also thought that there, there, there was some room there for some full court pressure that they didn't use. Uh, and I, and I thought that Kansas in their win, it wasn't just about making shots. It was also about the fact that you knew how Villanova was going to play. And they used that against Villanova to get open weak side jump shots in the weak side corner. And that execution was brilliant. Kansas played, you know, in the conversation of parts of their best game all season long. And, uh, you know, conversely, Villanova just not the same without Justin Moore. Meanwhile, you got North Carolina Duke and North Carolina played good, but great in the second half. The shot making by Love and Manic was ridiculous. I thought Baycott's rebounding was outstanding. And, and they just did a great job of just being there and making Duke make shots over the top. And Duke could not make enough of them. All right, I'll give you my national championship preview upcoming. But first, let's get the new head coach of George Washington. Here's Chris Caputo. You're, you're, you're sitting there, and this is your first official day <laughs> as a Division I head men's basketball coach. What's sleeping been like? Um, you, go, you go to sleep just like because you pass out. Not, not because you have any scheduled sleep plans, you know, uh, and you wake up kind of with your mind racing. So you just get up. Yeah. Certainly not, you know, we're not on the eight hour, uh, you know, health and wellness, uh, sleep schedule. That's for sure. Um, was, when did this become the dream? When did this become like the goal? Like, do you, do you remember the, the time when you said to yourself, like, man, I'm be a head basketball coach. Yeah. Um, I got a good story for that. Um, you know, for me, the, the, the final four was in New York 96. Yeah. And, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a like JV player at that time at Archbishop Malloy high school in New York, which is, you know, I think you, you know, this, I don't know if the listeners, you know, famous sort of high school program in New York city. Jack Curran was my, High school coach, legendary coach in New York. He was the winningest coach in the state. And, uh, you know, some of the names, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Smith, Russ Smith, uh, you know, Brian Winters is a great player there. Kevin Joyce is the captain of the Olympic team. Um, Cole Anthony was there most recently. Coach Laranega played there. A lot of guys. We got it. Right? It's a great program. Listen, <laughs> a lot of guys. Here's what, here's, here's what you'll find, okay? Like this pod specifically. I mean, you you do need to explain some things and give context for some right. things, but but some some you don't. All right, some guys. So you're a right. you're a sophomore. Yeah, sophomore. So a friend of mine who's now a Division three head coach says, "Hey, the final. I know nothing about like what the Na- final. Four I, is. I need a name. You need a name. All right, got Guy Rancourt. He's the head coach of Western Connecticut State. You may know him, but I actually know. So he, I know guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we grew up together, same block. And he says, "Hey." Um, you know, the final fours in New York, uh, obviously, uh, Hey, you want to go down to the Hilton 
like on Sixth Avenue. Um, and I have no idea what that means at this point, right? At 16 years old. And uh, yeah, sure. You know, so I, you know, I knew I th- thought I maybe wanted a coach, knew I probably wasn't good enough to be a, you know, pro player or anything like that. But I go down there with Guy and we kind of walk around the, the hotel lobby and I'm like, you know, wow, like I see Coach K walking through the lobby. I see Tark, uh, you know, holding court, you know, at the, at the lobby bar, a bunch of, you know, people in coaching and, you know, with their T-shirts on and, uh, you know, uh, polo shirts on and all that. Polos with the logos, man. Polos, Polos with, with the logos, logos. right. You know, probably, yeah, I, don't so, know had, I don't know, I'm trying to think, 96, probably some pleated khakis and polos with jump, the logos. Jump, j- jumpsuits, jumpsuits. Jumpsuits, definitely. definitely. Jumpsuits, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I remember seeing Norm Roberts there, which is ironic, but Norm had coached at our high school as well as an assistant coach. He was at Oral Roberts, I believe, that, you know, at that time. They maybe just getting ready to go to Tulsa. So uh, that was cool to see him, somebody who had, who had been, you know, associated with our, with our program. And anyway, I walked out and I said, man, this is like really cool. Like, I, I want to do this someday. <laughs> I want to walk around with a polo and a, a logo on my shirt, you know. And uh, it got me thinking about coaching as a career. And then ironically, 10 years later, I'm coaching in the final four at, at the ripe age of uh, 25, or whatever. So 26, I guess it was 25, but uh, you know, I, that, that's kind of been a seminal moment for me, like to think about so did, walking so around did that you lobby the game? at 16. Did no, no, the- I didn't no, No, it was just sort of like, you know, all the, all the stuff that, you know, young guys do now walking around that lobby. I was kind of doing that at 16, almost as an innocent bystander, as a civilian, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I look back on, you know, anytime you get a tough day, you look back and say, man, how about that? Like, you know, I go from that lobby in 96 to coaching in it in 2006. I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. I mean, uh, you've never been in that lobby needing a job. That's that's no. time. That, <laughs> that's another reason that, why you're lucky. <laughs> no, but that, it's, it's funny because the lobby is is really so. My dad, my late father, was like all lobby team, right? Like he was. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, he, he loved he loved that. But I, um, it's funny because that it has a it can have a mixed effect on you. When I'm when I was a kid, sure. you go to the Final Four and you'd see that you'd be like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. Look at right. these guys, You're like gods, and they walk by <laughs> and know your dad and they talk to you. And then you get older, and being in broadcasting. Uh, it can scare the bejesus out of you, you know, where right. you sit there and go like, cause, cause uh, I'm trying to think where I, I think it might've been Houston. I think it might've been Houston where I remember I, um, I interviewed for a job and I was, you know, broadcasting at CBS at the time and I'm texting the friend and they're like, do you want this? And I was like, yeah. They're like, you really wanted to get into coaching. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then you walk out and you walk in the lobby and you see there's a thousand dudes that are not the head coaches that need a job and that have a resume in hand. And they're just trying to bump into somebody who's got a neat, got a spot. Over. Hey, I got a player for you, coach. And <laughs> like, I, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> how many, how many calls texts, in the last 24 hours, I got a player for you, coach. Um, yeah, many, 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 50, 100, you know, like okay. more. Yeah. yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. Okay, so you're in, you're in high school, Archbishop Wood. Parents do what? Yeah. 
my, my dad, uh, unique, my, my, my mom's a nurse. That's, you know, not unique. She was a nurse. My dad is a 50 year jazz musician in New York city. Believe it or not. Jazz flute. What, what, what? Uh... No, no. Yeah. Oh, well, he does play jazz flute, but no, uh, like all the like sax, clarinet, flute, all the woodwinds. So he, um, you know, super unique career, kind of like, kind of like coaching unique <laughs> career. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Right. So, so you have a passion for basketball. Yeah. He's a jazz musician. Did he get it? You know, I, I think he they didn't, they didn't necessarily get basketball. Like they weren't necessarily fans or anything like that, but I think that they got the idea that like, Hey, you should just do, do what you want to do. You know, uh, if this is what you want to do, you can go chase that and, you know, we're not going to be judgmental of, uh, you know, maybe what would appear to be a, a flaky career. <laughs> but but it was it was like in high school. Did you tell them this is what you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought, um, you know, I was like a finance major, but I didn't I wasn't like a great student, didn't really have too much passion for it. Um, I did uh, did a couple of internships, uh, you know, like. Uh, in the in the world of business in New York City, and as I was doing them, I quickly understood, like, yeah, this is not for me. Like, I would much prefer to, you know, uh, be in, be around basketball, go to AU tournaments, you know, work camps, stuff that Division three players do, you know, like just uh, try to be around the game. And so, you know, for me, it was um, 
it was trending that way pretty hard, you know, as, as throughout college, like, Hey, this, this is what I'm going to do. You're, like, you're at Westfield, Westfield state, right? Westfield state, Massachusetts. Yeah. Who's the coach? Uh, Rich Sutter, who's still the coach now. Uh, he's, uh, he's a great coach. He, uh, I was like in his first class there. He was an assistant at Colgate uh, with a Donald Foyle. And, um, you know, he's, he's actually done a really good job there and kind of they've had some consistency now to be in one of the better teams in the MASCAC, which is like the Massachusetts State League. You know, Tom Thibodeau was at Salem State, Paul Biancardi, Salem State. Uh, Tommy Moore from UConn was at Worcester yeah. State. Uh, so Worcester. that's a lot of guys. Yeah, exactly. Worcester, yeah. Um, so it was a fun, okay. it was a fun so, league to so, play in. Yeah. So 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 Jack Green, what was special about him as a coach? What 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 can you take from your high school coach, a legendary coach, and say like, yeah. this is what 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 made him what made him special? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, like obviously he's a great coach. He had great players and everything, but the the idea that he built a you know, for lack of a better cliche, family community, brotherhood, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, that was so present at our school. You know, guys, I, obviously when I got there, he'd been doing it a long time. So you had guys that played for him in the 60s and the 70s that were back all the time and, and coming to the office and seeking counsel. And uh, he was picking up the phone constantly and doing things for the guys to try to help them. And, um, you know, th that for me is what I thought coaching was. Like, I didn't think it's probably why I stayed with Coach Laranega for 20 years and we've only been at two places. Uh, I've told people, you know, that that's what I envisioned coaching to be. I didn't I didn't understand the business side of it that, you know, hey, uh, it's not always like this. You don't get to stay at the same place for 50 years. It's got to have all the guys around all the time. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be a part of that and see that. And uh, I strive to sort of maybe find that somewhere. And, uh, and then, you know, you get in and you realize, well, that's not exactly how it works in college coaching. Um, <laughs> so when you're at Westfield, what, what do you remember was it about in terms of practices and games? You know, like you mentioned guys, are, what, what, what can you take away from your experience I think, there? I think the guy, yeah, I mean, first, you, you know, I had a great experience, um, you know, we, you know, we were division three players, but I thought we worked really hard you know we were serious about our game and our and our team and and uh now looking back 20 years of being division one it's very funny you know you get especially in that league because obviously massachusetts not a huge state you know geographically <laughs> so we would like get on the bus the women are on the bus the women's team's gonna play we're gonna play we drive to salem state drop the women off we get five bucks we go you know get pizza we get back the women are playing we're watching like the first half it's halftime we go in we get ready we play everybody gets back on the bus afterwards drives back it's all in the same day i mean it, it's you know having been on a million charter flights now <laughs> done all the things that you know you do when you're at the acc for 11 years and it uh it reminds me not to complain about anything because it's certainly uh everyone in division three is sort of doing it for the love of the game for real you know how good, what was your best season was what year? You know, we are, my junior year, we had turned the program around. I think we were, I think we got to like fifth. We were bad when I got there. Uh, we had turned the program around 15 and 11, I think. Junior, and now we're like, we have a first team all league player and the rookie of the year coming back and a really good core. And then both Who's of those that? guys got hurt. Who was, who was your stud? Um, 
Bryant James is a guy. He was he was an unbelievable athlete, undersized, typical Division three. He was like six three, but like a power forward that was world class athlete. Um, and uh, but both of those guys get get hurt my senior year. Mm. So then we go back into the tank. Uh, but I'm proud to say that I left it better than I found it because like they've kind of been really good since I left. So coolest gym in the mascot. Coolest gym. You know, it's funny, kind of like ours was a band box when I played in it. It was like a legit high school gym. Now every gym in the league has, uh, has really, they've re- you know, it was kind of like in that late nineties, early two thousands, everybody kind of did a rec center that became the D three sort of arena. But at that time, I think ours was probably, the, I mean, it was a, Bandbox, like hot, you know, it could be snow all over the place outside, but it was like 95 degrees. It felt like inside. And I mean, it was certainly in recruiting. It's not something you would walk anybody through like, Hey, this is where we play. <laughs> no, but when they're, when they're packed, when they're packed, yeah, when they're yeah. packed, it's fun. Yeah. There's no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Nothing like it. And then you start dunking in warmups cause you're like, you're, you're still- <laughs> um, okay. So, so you get done, you graduate. Um, yeah. What next? What we- so it's funny. I, I always tell this story and, uh, you, you know, this is, remember, we used to have to do homework in like the computer lab, right? Like for the most part, like, yeah, you had to be in a computer lab. You weren't, some guys maybe had something in their room, you know, a big, you know, hard, hard drive computer or what have you. But, you know, I'm like in the computer lab checking my email. It's not on my phone or anything like that. And, I had been in correspondence with Coach Laranega again because of our Malloy connection, and I'd see him. I'd go to IAU events and things like that, and he was, you know, really nice to me. And early days of sort of emailing people back and forth, and uh, I get an email from him, and it's like, "Hey, I got a job opening, assistant coach. I need you to apply for it." My first thought is like, "Wow, this is like easy, right? You just go from being like a bad Division three player to being like an assistant coach at a pretty good mid major program." And, and gone to a couple NCAA tournaments in the recent time. So you know, I apply for the job and he tells me to call him. I call him and says, Hey, look, I wanted you to apply. You're not getting the job. All right. Uh, but I, but I want to maybe bring you down in a volunteer role. And so I wanted you to apply so I could at least talk to you, you know, state, state rules or whatever, you know? So I'm, I'm a little deflated at this point. Cause I, I was, uh, I got ahead of myself thinking maybe I'm going to get a job. You know? And basically what he says is, Hey, look, like I can't hire you in the third spot. You're uh you know, you have no qualifications, <laughs> but I like you. I want to give you a shot. I'm going to hire somebody else and maybe bring you down as a volunteer. Would you do it? I say yes. Having no idea like how much anything costs or anything like that. So he, he hires uh, Eric Conkle, who's now the head coach of Tulsa, who's a, a great friend of mine, obviously. Who's going to join me this week, by the way. Which, which yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing all story, guys. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so – uh, and you can't find guys that are too, you know, different uh, and yet great friends in the sense that Eric grew up like in a town of like 200 people in Amherst, Wisconsin, and I'm from Queens, you know. And um, and so he hires Eric Conkle, and, who had been a GA, I think, at, at Tennessee at that time. Uh, and myself as a volunteer, I tell my parents, I got like an unbelievable opportunity. I can't believe this. Division one, really good program. You know, okay, like, does how much does it pay? Like, well, nothing. You're paying for this, like, <laughs> and so. Uh, and this is after they've get, been paying for college too, right? Less of course, right? Of course, right? And 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 you know, we weren't wealthy people or anything, but we we were able to tr- trick it somehow and make it work. You know, so um, I go down, and uh, Eric finds. In fact, he mentioned it to me uh, this week. 
uh, he, he had to find the Fairfax, Virginia is a very, very wealthy, you know, it's a little bit like Orange County, you know, like it's a nice place, a lot, lot of wealth. Um, and uh, he found the worst apartment complex humanly possible because we knew we were, you know, making no money. He found the worst apartment complex possible. It was like definitely, you know, 50s, 60s, like towers, uh, brutal, brutal, brutal place. But uh, so we uh, we move in there. We're splitting the rent. And uh, I mean, we, we really, you know, have no money. And so he, he's like, I have a friend that's like thinking about coming down now. And he's like, you know, hey, what? would you mind if I like stay with you guys? So I said, Eric, like we can cut the rent now again, if, if he like sleeps on our couch. So, you know, ha- had that happened. So we, any, we idea actually, what the, any, any memory what, what the rent was, you know, it wasn't like cheap, 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 because again, Fairfax is kind of a, a, a an expensive place, but it might've been like a two bedroom that might've been like a thousand bucks or something like that, eight, 900 bucks. And so we were just trying to find every way we could to just, slice it uh we eventually also had somebody uh live in our dining room another guy friend of ours so we got we, we, we are these people? utilities uh you know like friends of mine from massachusetts that that you know they were in and out i wouldn't say they were there forever but you know i think eric eric's a smart guy he's economical we understood you know the finances of it how we could uh, uh we could cut the cost tremendously and uh, you know after a year after a year he was gone uh, as he had gotten engaged kind of almost like when we got there. So it was only a year deal, but it was, uh, we had a lot of laughs. Yeah, we had a lot of laughs. So, so you get there and what, uh, what is, uh, what was it like? What, what is Jim Laranega like to a guy who he kind of recruited to coach, but you're making nothing. Yeah. And every one of these guys is, and, and look, Laranega been doing a long time, but it was, you know, pretty final four Laranega, you know, everybody yeah. evolves a little bit. What was it like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, first for me, he always, he reminded me the other day, he said, Hey, do you remember the first thing I, I told you? I said, yeah, you called me and said, Hey, look, I don't, you don't delegate to me. I delegate to you. <laughs> he said, you know, Hey coach, can, can we do this? Can you help me with this? And he says, Hey, Chris, I delegate to you. You don't delegate to me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, well, it was just an incredible experience to be around. The staff was, was incredible. Uh, We had obviously coach, uh, who's the best, uh, Bill Courtney, who was actually, you know, was with us here at Miami this past uh, couple of years, but had been the head coach of Cornell, uh, Mike Gillian, who had been the head coach of Longwood, who's at IMG now. And then obviously Eric, who who, who had been at Tennessee and kind of gotten exposed to the high level and, uh, for a few years as a GA. So for me, a guy who, you know, I, I think had a lot of passion for it. There was so much I could pick up and learn from, from those guys. And I always joke that they never gave me coach, never gave me anything that was like super important. Yeah. Cause you know, you didn't, you didn't trust me, you know, but what sure. he did was, uh, uh, I, I crafted my own job a little bit back then. Uh, the rules were a little bit different. So I obviously I, I helped Eric do everything he was doing. Um, you know, film exchange, video stuff, all that. Um, but then also, like back then, I was the director of underclassmen recruiting. So it was, you know, they were working on the guys that were trying to get in that class. And I was working a list of younger guys. And as you know, you know, the DMV's got so many good players. So um, at that time, you know, a lot of the guys that I started with on that first year of kind of like, I was able allowed to talk to their high school coaches, things like that. 
They turned out to be a couple of guys on our final four team. I was also back then, if you remember, Doug, we could work camps. It was, they kind of had changed that rule back. So like I would be working Eastern Invitational uh, for Rob Kennedy. I've done that as a, as a college player, but now I'm doing it as a George Mason staffer. And a lot of the guys who were recruiting, a lot of the high school and AU coaches that we were, you know, in our area, they were working the camp or kids were playing in the camp. So I'd gotten a lot of exposure to, to the area doing that. And then um, you just learned that, you know, you think you know a lot as a player and then you get, and you see inside what guys are doing. You're like, geez, I, I didn't know anything, you know? So I, yeah. I learned a lot. Um, that was, was, that was 0203, right? 0203, yeah. So that's John Larry's senior, senior year. year. So yeah, what yeah, was, yeah. What, what's the, what was the interaction like between coach and player, dad and son? Well, yeah. Um, that's unique as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was great because coach had heard, you know, Jay had played for him as well mm -hmm. at Bowling Green. So I think they had gotten the drill down. Um, we had a, uh, just an okay year. We had a bunch of injuries and John, John wound up like playing the point. He was like a point forward. Uh, and uh, he had a very good year. We had, and, 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 you know, given the injuries, we had a good year, not a great year. Uh, but you certainly, they, they were pros at it. You know what I mean? Like because he had done it with Jay and he'd kind of learned that part of it. And John was older in his fifth year. He had redshirted the first year. So it was, um, you know, it was really, to be honest, it was pretty impressive how they interacted because, uh, they they kind of knew the drill, you know, of how to how to approach it. They, you know, on the court, in the office, in the locker room, there was it was player coach, and then you certainly because I was around, you know, them and outside of that, you'd see, you know, the father son piece as well. So that you know, professional is what I would say. Really well done. Um, the program, and it's interesting because the program that you guys left is very different than the program that you arrived in that you arrived in, right? In in O two yeah. O three. Well, yeah, they were good. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what, in terms of support, uh, yeah. in terms of fanfare, what sure. was, what was it like in that year? Yeah. I think Eric and I, uh, that was around the time good to great came out and Eric and I used to joke, joke, you know, kind of like, ha ha. Um, yeah, we, we took it from good to great when we got there, you know, like we, you know, it was good and then we got it great, but no, I, I think it, it was, um, I'll tell you this, Doug, like when you take a job as a young person and you just want to get in, right, you have no idea what you're walking into. Right. You know, you just don't know. I mean, you just especially as a guy who's played Division Three and like, hey, I, I want to be in Division One, I'll go anywhere. For me to be as fortunate to go into a program with one, the type of people, but then also that they were winning, that there was some momentum there. Now, looking back, you can't even put a price on that, right? Because I was not there to turn it in 99 i was there where the program was in great shape in 2002 and sort of getting ready to go on a little bit of a run again and then um yeah obviously we go to uh, we go to the sweet 16 of the nit we lose out at oregon which i'm so happy i got to see mac court uh did you go out did you play out there ever i'm sure i have a great Coast, i have the greatest mac court story ever tell me go ahead give it to me i just told this one in the lobby <laughs> to, I told it to Chris Beard and who else was I talking to Rodney Terry a couple other coaches were around and this is my this is my story so in um, 19 uh, 1997 right so 25 years ago um, I was 
I was in my, my gap year. Right. So I went to Notre Dame, I left and I was, I was thinking about transferring. I get, they, I get in trouble and I have to leave, but instead of transferring right away, which I could have done, I sat out a year. So I play, I, I didn't play. I was, I worked out with the, with golden West where I went to school and the right. head coach is Tom McCluskey. Tom was my right. high school coach my freshman year. Sure. So I got to practice um, all year and just be scout team dude, just try and kill dudes. And then coaches who'd come in that were recruiting me, they'd come and watch me work out. And, uh, you know, the Jairus like locked the door and did like a three coaches. <laughs> but so, uh, so I, I'm going on my visits during the season and, because, you know, I think I, I always thought in hindsight, early signing is unless you, and now it might be different because now they tell high school kids just take whatever because so high school right. recruiting is so hard. But I feel like you, everything, so many things change in that one season, right? So many things like sure. you signed. Because sure. I remember I signed in Notre, at Notre Dame, but I, I basically committed in October and then you signed right. November. Right. And then they start playing all season. Everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now even more so. Now, so so I go on my visits. So I visit Oklahoma state on a, on a Wednesday and then I'm visiting Oregon on a Thursday and my Oklahoma state visit gets kind of wonky because of travel. So I was, I wasn't there very long. And well, there's nothing special about the visit to be honest. (laughs) Um, So I land in Eugene and I go to Matt court and my dad in the late, in the mid eighties, had been a volunteer assistant after he got fired at uh, Long Beach State at Oregon State. And he always told me about Matt Court. And he was like, it's the only place I've ever been that during the game, it shakes, right? No question. The yeah. baskets shake. because, And it was, of course, he's at Oregon State, so it's the big rival. So, um, so I go there, they're playing Arizona. And this is the year that Arizona won it. And Arizona's one of the best players, Miles Simon. He's We've been boyhood friends. We played together since we So the staff was, and it's interesting that you had a couple internships in uh, the world of Wall Street because uh, Tad Boyle was on the staff and he had worked in business, right? And Mark Turgeon, other assistant on right. staff, was his dear friend from Kansas and he had gotten him to be a coach. And then Darren Kalish was the other assistant. Right. And Darren had coached against me. Uh, when he coached for Team Avia. So I know all these guys, and they're like, man, you're going to love it. Okay, Jerry Green's coach. Jerry's a North Carolina guy. Yeah. So that means you call, the point guard calls the offenses, calls the defenses, subs himself in and out of the game. <laughs> and I'm like, bet. Sounds good. Right? <laughs> so here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit right behind because uh, – and at that time when you went – they had rent renovated it so that there were chairs on the lower level, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So bef- uh, where, where the players sat, where the players sat in 97, they're playing Arizona. They beat Arizona. Um, the players sat on benches in the front row with a little pad. And then they had me sit literally with my knees behind the player. So I'm not up in a, you know, like sometimes right, pretty, right. you put a couple pretty girls around a guy. You know, or you put somebody, somebody, um, an advisor, right. or somebody around, or their parents are with them, or whatever. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "This is amazing." I'm basically like part of the team. <laughs> Here's the problem, though. Um, not sure you want a guy down, kind of mid bench, 
when right. Jerry Green is wheeling guys in and out. Because Jerry's like, he's subbing like crazy. He's that, that Carolina deal. So every time he subs a guy out, they're all motherfucking him. <laughs> they're like, this fucking guy, why'd he take me out? He doesn't know what he's doing. We're going to win in spite of him. Like, <laughs> guys just talk shit, you know? And I mean, I love Kenya Wilkins was their point guard, and he was right. He didn't like, he told no lies. Guy took himself in and out of game. Guy called the offense. Called the <laughs> they win the, listen to me, they win the game. The students carry Jerry Green off the court. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting there going, this place is amazing. But they hate the coach, and they didn't hate him. It's just the snapshot of, of sometimes guys, you got to be careful, right? Yeah. I mean, like, guys bitching on the bench, right? Yeah. Because the guys bitching on the bench are bitching because they're on the bench for no other, other reason. Right. But it was a real kind of weird sort of uh, a little bit of a, a, a turnoff, even though I was turned completely on to the program, the coaches and, and everything else. That's an place, incredible. The place. place was unbelievable, right? I mean, yes. just top, top five, top five environments in the sport and kind of a cathedral that unfortunately yeah. it is a, it built. Um, I know a little bit too much about that place. It's actually all wood. I was like, why don't you yeah. guys just do that? Yeah. Like, no, 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 it's all wood. It's basically a fire hazard. It's the, I believe it. it you know, it's, it's Oregon. We just, when they built it, they went out and they got trees from Oregon. Is it's it? all wood. You can't. <laughs> Is it still there? It's still, it's still there. It's still very much there. Um, but they don't play basketball games there. And instead, now they have this bright, shiny new place that nobody really likes. And it's an amazing, the new Matt Court is, and uh, Matt Court is a new one, right? Matthew Knight Arena, whatever, right. is an awesome place, but it just does not have the, the personality right. of, of Matt Court. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
Uh, anyway, okay. So you guys go to the NIT. So yeah, so we go to the NIT. Yeah, so so that was that was um, you know a great year. We I think we had won the most uh, games in school history that year. And then um, the next year we got a young group uh, that you know has a lot of now familiar names, but we were like a nondescript team, uh, typical of a young team. Very we were talented offensively. We could score. Not a great defensive team. And then we come into 2005, 2006. Okay, so so let's. This, this is my favorite thing. This is my <laughs> favorite thing with Final Four teams is this kind of magical how it all comes together with the roster, right? Sure. Like I love to I love to tell people it's like the uh, like our roster was when we went to the Elite Eight was was unique, and then I I always love Coach Sutton's last Final Four team in 04 was like, I mean, it, it just was meant to be. Like, like Joey right, and Stephen right. Graham basically showed up with Ted Owens in the summer. They were doing like a tour trying to see these two kids from Central Florida transferring in. Like, could we find right. them both a scholarship, right? And John Lucas only gets there because of the what happened at Baylor. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. And they and there's two other point guards they were supposed to get they didn't get, and they took John Lucas late. Like, things come together. So – Help me with how that team kind of came together. Okay. So uh, yeah. l- let's start with uh, Jai Lewis. Okay? Yeah. Classic undersized load. He's like 6'6, 270, right? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, that, that would, that, uh, yeah, that would be on, yeah, on one of his light days. Yeah. Yeah. But that now, time. Were you, yeah. was he, I'm trying to think, 06 was his senior year. So yeah, his freshman he was, year was when you were there. Yeah, I, uh, no, his I, his I I forgot exactly how this happened. If it was his freshman year was my senior year in college. Okay, and then I kind of became um, the guy that chased him around. Uh, he was a he's a great guy. I mean, he's 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 awesome. He works with but kids. He's awesome. No, no, no. It was like it was like you know, Jai was like um, you know, hey go get Jai at the door and just get him on the golf cart, bring him over here. He doesn't want to go, you know, that type of stuff at that, at that time, you know, you had a golf He's, cart. That's good. Oh yeah. 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 Coach loved the golf cart. Yeah. We, um, Jai said at the, uh, we did like a black tie thing for the final four that year. And he, he said, Hey, I want to thank Caputo. And like, you know, if he didn't have any hair before me, so don't blame me for the lost hair, you know, like that type of thing. So um, but no, he was, he, he had gone to main central played, um, not for max. Cause I, I think he played for the next guy, uh, Mark. Um, and then, uh, was from Aberdeen proving grounds, which was up North of Baltimore. He's a military family. And there's a base up there North near where Cal Ripken's from. And, um, so he, he was, uh, like on the all rookie team. And then, you know, the one thing I would tell you, Doug, you appreciate this is anytime somebody had like a undersized load like that they would say well i got the next Jai lewis and we would say to them like guy like you gotta understand this guy's was had like a seven four wings some crazy wingspan he was incredibly quick he was all state lacrosse player he had hops he had handles like there's videos of this guy doing things that guys that are six six or six five 290 pounds like cannot do you know sometimes people would say like some great athlete is a freak like Jai Lewis was a freak. No, I get it. I freak. get it. I, I totally get it. Okay. Tony skin. Now, Tony, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it, Tony's 
uh, become a major player as an assistant coach in, in college, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and I want to get to the Tony Skin incident, which I remember, and I'm sure you remember, <laughs> unless I give it yep. away just yet. No, no. Okay. No. And Tony Skin's there when you get yep. there. What was mm-hmm. he like? He was great. Um, Bill and uh, Eric had gone up to see him at junior college. He, he had Tony went to Blinn Junior College in Texas. I think got homesick halfway to semester. Cam Newton School. Yeah, yeah. Went, went, went. I think halfway through semester was like an honest guy and told the coach, "Hey, look, like I'm kind of homesick. I think I'm going to go back to junior college in Maryland." And uh, the guy basically didn't play him then after that. Like you're quitting. So he didn't play. I don't think he had like stats or anything. So he goes to Hagerstown Community College. Uh, he was friends with Jason Mosqueria, a guy who was a really good player at George Mason uh, on the on 99 NCAA tournament team. And uh, Bill and Eric went up there and saw him and, you know, kind of you know, watched him. And he was really good. And he came up to them and said, look, like, not only will I come to George Mason, but I'll sit out here. So I have three years. And that was like, wow, that's, that's unbelievable. Sidebar to that. We're recruiting Bashir Mason, who's the coach at Wagner now, who's done an unbelievable job, who was a hell of a player at Drexel, tough dude. Mike Gilly and I go to pick up Bashir Mason in Newark from St. Benedict's, and we're driving him to George Mason for the official visit. And as we get to the office, Tony's coming out of Coach L's office having committed. So it was like Bashir's visit. And again, Bashir might have chose Drexel no matter what, but the visit was over like the minute we got there because Tony decided he was coming. So it was... And they battled those guys. I think they both knew it, and they battled each other for years, you know. Uh, Lamar Butler. Uh, Just the ultimate, you know, PG County. You know, everybody talks about how good PG County was. He played at Oxon Hill High School. He's probably, you know, just a D.C. guy, great shooter, great family, great personality. Uh, He was – you know, the guy was, uh, he was like Mr. George Mason. He should be like the mascot there during his time. He was, just, he was, he was all over the place, you know, in the media as well. Will Thomas. Um, just a, an NBA player that happened to be six, six and not like six ten. If he was six ten, he'd be in the NBA for, you know, 15 years. He still plays in the Euro league. He's, uh, played at Mount St. Joe's high school for Pat Clatchy. Great program in Baltimore. I think you remember his claim to fame was they beat Rudy Gay like seven times in his, in his career. They battled, they were rivals and Will's team always won. Uh, he was just, a, just an incredible competitor it is to this day. Still playing. Uh, one more Florian Campbell. Yeah. Fowler Campbell was, uh, Fowler. You, know, you know, it was funny. We were talking about this the other day. He was, uh, he was like the one guy that might've been like a little bit more recruited. Those guys were all recruited at the, you know, mid to high mid major level. But Fowler was a guy like Georgetown was recruiting hard and uh, they took somebody else. Um, but Doug, do you remember there was the five, eight rule? You could, you could only sign five in one year and eight in two years. I think it was, yeah. yeah, I think it was eight, eight yeah. and two, and you can only do five and one. And I think for us, like other than Georgetown who decided on someone else, I think a couple of the other schools in the area where followers was would have been recruited and would have stayed close. That rule came into play back then. I mean, guys, remember, we used to be asking all the time, like, "Hey, how many did, how many did Virginia sign last year?" Yeah, because yeah. they couldn't do it. Yeah. 
it's it is it is interesting that these kind of one off two off rules that you know I, I remember right. here's here's one uh, I was when I was very close to transferring to Utah at that same year I was talking about before right, right. and they used people forget not only Prop forty eight but in ninety six right right it's very started ninety seven they passed rule that if you're a Prop forty eight and you graduated on time you get that year back. Oh, Andre, right, Miller, right. Andre Miller was a prop 48. So I, I was going to go to Utah and uh, literally I was, it was like two days before my visit to Utah. And Rick called me because Rick's thing was like, Hey, I'd come and play with be in the backcourt with Andre for a year. And then I'd take over for two years. Right. And then he called me and said, you know, there's a new old rule. Uh, <laughs> You know, look, we I want you, but you know, it'll be you and, and Andre for two years because he's I was like, Well, is he staying for he's like, Yeah, he's gonna stay. So yeah, so you get that year back. And that I think Ivan McFarland at Oklahoma State, that was a big reason that he played in that final four year. Anyway, so yeah, there's those re- weird one off rules. Okay, and so then, take- by the way, it's going on now with the you know, COVID year and all that. Yeah, the Elite Eight. The COVID oh, year no, it's the Elite Eight. Right. <laughs> you have doctors and and, uh, and guys that can get lost. <laughs> okay, so um so that year, okay, there's a lot that people remember about that year. Yeah. My memory is a little little different. I remember you guys were really good. Uh you had there's like an eight game winning streak there uh in the CAA. I remember the CAA was really, really competitive. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> But what was the what was it like in 06 in terms of the tournament? Like, did you guys think, hey, we can be it at large? Because I just don't remember yeah. the CAA really being a conference that produced multiple NCAA tournament what? teams. Still, right. But I'm, and so this is like my third year at ESPN and we're covering stuff. And I remember like the names of CAA teams coming up. So what was it like in the in the moment? Well, yeah, I think we had been the first at large bid in like 20 years or something, you know, there. And uh, um, there was no, our RPI was good. Obviously, we had, we were, we we go out to Wichita State back in the bracket buster days and win at Wichita State with Turge and Tad were there. And that bracket uh, bust. That was, that was a hell of, that was, that was a hell of a win, you know. And if you remember back then, Doug, I think like the Valley was getting, Multiple teams like in five teams, like some crazy number, you know? Yeah. And so for us to go into like late February, we knew we were obviously having a great conference season, but to, for us to go late February into Wichita state, who was in first place and the hardest, hardest place to play in the Valley and, and go beat them. You start to feel like a little bit like we should be in, right? Like no matter yeah. what we should be in, but there was no history to say that that would happen. And then, um, and then obviously we lose to Hofstra. <laughs> okay. So, so, but you had that year, you guys in Hofstra, they were wars. Yeah. Right? They, they, yeah. they were, they were wars. And what I remember is now you lose to Hofstra twice. Yeah. In the last 10 days of the season, right? You lost yeah. them in the regular season and then you lost them in the semifinals. Yes. Um, but then Tony, what Tony did a nut shot. He, 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 he did a nut shot. He's a little right? frustrated. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he was a little frustrated. He hit Lauren Stokes. 
and uh, ironically, I think they wound up playing on the same NBA summer league team. Like yes, two years two years later, and Tony's like, you know, geez, I can't get away from Lauren, and they were laughing about it, you know. But uh, <laughs> so, so you guys, so you lose in the semis, and yeah. and you're like, I got a good story. I got a good coaching story, right? Go. So I'm miserable. We go back to the hotel room. We're in Richmond. Probably my least favorite arena is the Richmond Coliseum, uh, where the damn tournament was all the time there. And it was like a VCU home game every time we played them there. But um, uh, James Johnson, who's uh, now at NC State, was the head coach of Virginia Tech, was on staff at the time. We're roommates. And, you know, we're both just like, I cannot believe this. Like, not only did we lose and we're not probably going to be in the tournament, but they'll look at us as a team that shouldn't be in the tournament because Tony's not going to play because he's going to be suspended. So that was the thought. So, you which, know, is, which, is what we all, which is what we all thought. Right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, it was. You know, I'm young at the time, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, how do you not factor that in? That right. it's not their best guard isn't going to play in the first round. You know. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. So, so we drive back to um, uh, we drive back to uh, um, Fairfax. I definitely slept in the office that night. I was just miserable. I didn't want to go home. I just fell asleep on a couch. Uh, I woke up, uh, I went recruiting in new England. Uh, just, I'm getting out of here and, uh, went recruiting for a day or two. I get back and, uh, James was recruiting a guy who wound up coming. It was a very good player for us. Andre Smith, who was from Houston, uh, Dre Smith, but he was at Cochise. I don't know. You may know Jerry Carrillo. Cochise, a great junior college coach in in Arizona. He was playing for Jerry. And they were in their regional finals or whatever. And James got sick. He got like I don't know, the flu, whatever. Something where he was like, dude, I, I cannot get go to Arizona. I'll go. I don't want to be around here. This is crazy, right? It's so, like the like, funeral. It's like a funeral, right? Yeah, like, exactly, really right. I'll leave the funeral. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'll leave the funeral. I'll get it. So, again, I'm literally home like a couple of hours. And I'm like volunteering to jump on the Southwest flight to Tucson. Now, little do I know. You know, like Cochise is not in Tucson. It's like now two hours in the desert on the Mexican border. And uh, I get there and, you know, Dana Altman's there. They're recruiting them. A couple other, Brian Fish from Creighton. It was kind of like us in Creighton, I think. There might have been one or two more, Mississippi State. Um, so I'm, I basically spent like three or four days in Arizona watching those guys and just trying to get my mind away from it. And, um, and then uh, – I fly back on selection Sunday in the morning. My, my wife, uh, then girlfriend, uh, we're talking on the phone and she's looking on the computer, bracketology and we're not in, you know? And, uh, then I call somebody else and, you know, I was talking about, yeah, I just looked at bracketology this morning. You're not in. And then, uh, I'm like, you know, going to the, I don't know, I guess to get a cab or pick up my car at the lot, drive it back. Cause I'm going to go to coach L's house for this miserable selection Sunday event and uh my wife julie calls me and says hey um i just refreshed this lenardi's got you in and i'm like lenardi doesn't have a stand you're looking at something maybe it didn't update maybe you're looking at something for like a week ago where we're, you know you, we just said this we're not in and uh she says no i'm telling you it says like the time stamp of like two minutes ago you're in so i'm like julie i so- don't yeah, I don't know if he got a I don't know if he got a call. He, 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 he had a he had a might have had a mole. He had a he yeah. might have had a mole. So I called somebody else. I think Dan Steinberg from the Washington Post, who's our beat writer. I'm like, Dan, can you just pull this up? I looked at this like a half hour ago. We were out. 
are we in now? And he's like, pulls it up. He goes, dude, you're in. So now I go from being like Mr. Miserable, stoic. How am I going to deal with this? I show up at the house like, we're in. Like, and, and people are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, no, I'm just telling you we're in. We're good. There's no reason for him to change that at the 11th hour like that. Right. right. And then, and then obviously, uh, and, you know, we get in and the most relieved person in the, in the building was Tony skin. Cause certainly he did, he, he, he was feeling the weight of the world on him, you know, but then you won without him. How'd you win without him? We won without him. Gabe Norwood played great. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he really played great in that game. You know, we had a little bit of history at Michigan state. We had played them, uh, two years earlier, no, a year earlier in DC. Uh, they had gone to the final four, but we had a pretty good game, 66, 60. Uh, and we had a little bit of confidence there. Some of their better players from that team were gone a little bit younger. So we pulled it off and then we, we played Carolina, uh, in the next one, two years before that, that Tony Lamar Jai's group, you know, I guess it was their sophomore year. They were, uh, we were up at half at Carolina and a big, it was like 49, 47. Like we just no defense. Everyone was getting buckets, but, uh, there was a little bit of confidence there. Like, Hey, we played against those guys. Cause that was felt May McCants. They had won the national championship the next year. Those guys were gone. It was Hansborough and uh, Danny Green and guys. So great players, but our guys had felt like a little bit of confidence hadn't taken a lead there two years earlier. So, um, when this is this is always fun one. When you if you remember back to the bracket, did you honestly like think like okay we're gonna beat them and we're gonna beat them and we're gonna them we're gonna final four. I thought familiarity with those teams in the first two games, you know, was a good thing. Doesn't mean you're going to win. I was probably too naive and young. I kind of thought like, hey, it's better to play somebody you're familiar with. But then when you win the second game and you have Wichita State, I think this has been talked about. Uh, you know, there was a there was certainly a confidence that, hey, we won at Wichita State, which we know how good they are. We know how hard it is to win there. Now they're coming to DC. Like yeah. this is going to be a tall, this is going to be a tall task for them. And I think the players would tell you if you talk to them that they could, uh, we could sense it. Like um, when we'd see those guys, like in the hallway, and all stuff, like yeah. it was almost like they again. I, I think they were almost deflated about being in the Sweet Sixteen because they were playing us, who was sort of the darling of the tournament. Right. right, 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 right. Whereas they are the, otherwise in any other setting, they would have been the darling of the tournament. Correct. How did you, how did Coach L handle it? Because as we both know, getting to a Sweet 16 now is like, even in 06, it's like getting to a Final Four. And you guys beat Michigan State and Carolina, yeah. right? And then you come home and then you're home for a couple of days before you go and you're then you're in D.C. So what 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 was... And, and, and he's like, you know, he's the best, but how does, how did he handle it so that there was still the ability to focus on the task? Yeah. Yeah. He was unbelievable with it. I think it's funny. Like um, one, he had coached in two final fours at Virginia. So he had at least that experience of what it was like, you know, and, and uh, I, I think it's so funny. Nobody knew who George Mason was and his thing was like, Hey, this is my chance and our chance to show everybody like what our school's about. So he, and in, in some ways he didn't insulate these guys. It was like very inclusive. Like we're opening the gates to, you know, this is our chance for our university to be, you know, 
a little bit more recognizable. And so he was, uh, he, he was great about that. I think, um, the guys, I mean, there was no chance of them not being somewhat distracted. They're all home. They're all from here. Like I think Tony told a story that they snuck out of the hotel to get haircuts like one night, you know, like, it's like, cause it was like their barber, <laughs> like, oh, I just go to my barber. So no, it was, it was, I think again, going back to familiarity, the fact that we had played those guys two weeks earlier probably helped in all of that. So then you play UConn and UConn yeah. was loaded, right? Really, really good. <laughs> loaded. But now you kind of got to return to that. I mean, I think the, I think the jerseys kind of helped you, right? They're like green jerseys and, <laughs> you know, like they walk in there, UConn. Yeah, like they both maybe both the jerseys may be made by Nike, but they are completely different factories. Right. And when you guys warmed up, you don't look like much. It, do you think the kind of the lay, you know, the old layup line when somebody's looking down at you like we got these and guys. No doubt. No do you doubt. think that and that played at least a factor in your, they didn't know what, they didn't know what league we were in. I think that was one of the big ones. Like somebody asked Josh Boone, they thought said we were in the Patriot league. And uh, I remember like, out of that, like a couple of reporters were running out of the, the media. Like, like it was like, they got the best story of the, you know, of, of the day. Like, can you believe that they didn't know what league they were in? They thought they were in the Patriot league, like running to go write it, you know? So yeah, there was a little bit of that. And, and uh, you know, they played Brandon Roy in Washington in the game before. Yeah. And I remember sitting there, I mean, we all know how good Brandon Roy was. Like I'm like sitting there scouting the game thinking to myself, are we, are we sure we don't want to play UConn instead of Washington? Because this guy, Brandon Roy, is ridiculous. I mean, it was a, it was an overtime game, and it was – I mean, he was terrific. So it was – both of those teams were really Did good. you have the George Basin, or did you have uh, – I mean, so did you have UConn, or did you have Washington? Yeah, I, so I did both. Back, you know, we still kind of do it this way. Like, I did all the opponent scouts, and then we sort of self – the other guys self-scouted offense, defense. So, yeah, I had both, um, and it was uh, – I mean, you wait, wait, explain that to me. Explain that to me. Yeah, it's different. So uh, for 10 years, and now DJ Irving did it for us this year at, at Miami, did a fabulous job. Um, one assistant coach would do every opponent's scout. You know, it would almost be like an advanced scout sort of situation. And then, like, one coach is sort of focused on the defense, our defense, our offense, and obviously when we all come together um, – the scouts presented, but then everybody's sort of talking about game planning. So it's, it's, and you know, Doug, in this day and age, there's a lot more help today than, than there was, you know? So, so so three people work on each scout. Yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's that it's, it's like my focus is on the defense, our defense. So I'm thinking about how we're going to defend these guys. Uh, Somebody else's focus is on the offense, how we're going to score on them. The, the other coach is really focused on the opponent. And this is what the, these are the tendencies. This is the actions. These are the calls. And then we sort of all come together to build the game plan. It's, it's for consistency of messaging. So like, yeah, sometimes, you know, you'd have guys like use different terminology. Maybe guys are better at this or that. And so coach feels like if one guy's presenting, the opponent and it's the same every time the consistency is good when did you know you had him <laughs> never <laughs> when the guy missed the shot at the end you know uh denim brown no i mean we knew we were i think at halftime they were up i believe 
but we hadn't played particularly well and we were close enough within 10, I think. And then we jumped out, I believe, and the start the second half and kind of got it either tied or got a little lead and you felt like, hey, we're in a real battle. Jai and Will could score on their big guys one-on-one. Calhoun never double teamed. So that was like, okay, we got a way to play for the rest of the game offensively. And we were a good defensive team. What was what is Coach L like from this perspective? There are the old coach was always like, we do what we do, and that's what we do, right? And right. they adjust to us. Some of these guys are more uh pragmatists. I feel like Bill Self, you know, like I'm watching the yeah. final four and they double ball screens for the first first, you know, four or five minutes. It, it really rattled Villanova because that's not they they had switched all year. They hadn't they hadn't yeah. double ball screens. Yeah. And now yeah. they're they they post to post double early in the game as well. Was he a did did he adjust to, to the your scouting report or did he was there certain things that he always did? Because I felt like no, Calhoun, yeah. Calhoun, like, look, I think Calhoun's an incredible coach and he did sometimes, sometimes adjust. But there's a lot of times he's like, hey, we'll do what we do. We're good enough. It, it doesn't matter. What was Coach L like? No, very adaptive. Yeah, very adaptive. Play, you know, I think played a lot of different ways throughout his career that season. I, I think you may know this, you know, we lose to Creighton by 20 at home and uh, we came back and changed. We, we went from denying up the line on the line to being more in the paint, more packed in gaps, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. He moved Tony, he moved Tony off the ball. Right. And put Fowler and on the ball and uh, you know, like the rest is history, but it took a lot to, to make that change mid season. And I remember him saying, you know, he's, he's, unbelievable about having these discussions but in that particular case said hey i'm, I'm coming in I'm, i don't want anybody's input on this i've already made this decision i've thought long i've heard about it i don't want you guys to talk me out of this so we're doing this you know so uh and that was i think the first game we played after that was at georgia state who had just come into the league and had i want to say they beat delaware by 30 and it was like damn like they're new in the league. These guys are good. We go there and win by 30. And it was like, okay, that was hey, a great coach. So now, and, and I want to, I, and, and you don't have to promise me a part two, but I want to do a part two, but yeah, no, I'd love, yeah sure. In, in your mind as a head coach, how do you want to be right? And, and we're all going to be different when you're faced with some of these dilemmas, because look, there are some coaches that will sit there and go like, Look, you got to have these core things that you're about yeah. so that and if and if you change them, you know, the kids think you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're just, you know, you they 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 have to have confidence right. in in 100%. in what you're yeah. teaching them initially. And that has to be your core thing. So in terms of like how you yeah. again, this is you just got the job. This is your first yeah, day. Yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. How do you think yeah. you want to be? Well, I think there are things and you know this from, you know, from your, your career and and. Look, there are things that don't change. Like, no one's going to convince me that, like, not getting back on defense, there's some other way to play, right? Or, like, guarding the ball hard. You know, I think everyone talks about Virginia's pack defense. What they do unbelievably well, better than anything, is they guard the hell out of the ball, right? Like, point of attack, right? Uh, no, Nobody's going to tell me that, like, hey, it's not better to take open high expected value shots, you know, but somehow you should do it a different way. Right. 
So like, for me, I think there are things that are not going to change. Everything else is probably up for change. How we get to this point, how we get to that point, you know, yeah, you, you have to play to your personnel, play to your, you know, your, your, your team, your opponents, things like that. But I think the, the, the basics of it is, you know, keeping it simple in that sense, I think is that can't change it. And you got to eliminate losing right before you can get to winning. So again, what style you play? Well, I can tell you this, whatever style you play, if you turn the ball over a lot, that's a bad style of play. You have to change that. <laughs> well, it's also, it's also, it's also the, everybody wants to play fast, but you kind of have to have good players to play fast. Right? Well, we always, we always got the, this is the one that was funny. We never talked about tempo. We never talked about pace. Uh, we talked about pace and how we ran offense, you know, how we moved. But like this past year, number one points for possession team in the country in transition. And yet, like we never like practiced that. It's just, hey, we got good defensively. We were able to steal the ball a lot. Well, guess what happens? You throw it to a guy who's not being defended. He lays it in. The points per possession goes up incredibly, right? There's yes. no drill that like, you know what I'm saying? So like, coaching. you know, yes. yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, you have good offensive players, five guys like around double figures. If you get stopped, I love that one. Well, you know, offense is more important than defense. Well, again, I've never seen a, an offense that's better when you take it out. <laughs> offense is always better when you get it off the Miss, backboard. Yes. Miss or you shot, steal the ball or whatever. Ball. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, which one's more important? I think what I've learned is balance is important. It all, it's, it's the ultimate game in that sense, right? The, the ultimate team game, you got to play both sides of the ball. So. Um, okay. What do you remember about the final four? Oh, uh, just. <laughs> I remember thinking, man, I got here at 25 as an assistant coach. Am I ever going to get back? Is this it? Is there anywhere you thought to about go from it, here? You thought about that at the time? Yeah, I'm like, because I think some people, some people think like, you know, it's 25. You've been there three, four years. It's yeah. kind of easy. Like, I didn't think that. Break. I thought like, this is impossible. And I was thinking that this year when we're up six and a half on Kansas, like, man, like this is nearly impossible. And it's 15, 16 years later. How lucky would I be, you know? I thought you guys were the second best team in that final four. I think so. I think you're right. I think we played the best team and I think we might've been the second best team. Yeah. 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 What's the feeling like in the locker room when me, I beat, it wasn't a, Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I think we actually played the best game that they had in those two. They played in the two final fours. Yes. That's probably the best, the closest game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, um, it, honestly, it was one of those that was it was one of the reasons that I wanted to work for CBS was I felt like the story wasn't properly told, yeah, you know, yeah, and that, yeah, and that we have it's a TV thing where we have a tendency we focus on Cinderella and they lose and then we don't focus that we don't we don't pretend right. about it anymore. And I would have sat there and I said I remember saying all that all the rest of the final four like hey you know George Mason is the second best team in that in in that yeah. uh, in that tournament. Um, but what do you like those moments when the run is over is, is an emotional one. Do you, do you remember what that locker room was like? What coach was like? Yeah, I think they were sad. I think, I think coach was, he was great. I mean, I think as sad as they were, everybody knew that they had done something that was, you know, really impactful, not just for them and George Mason. And, but really I thought in college basketball at the time, because, you know, VCU, Butler, Wichita State, uh, Loyola. I might be missing somebody that followed us. I think um, 
somebody said, you know, those guys walked into that locker room thinking it was possible. Where for us, like, good. I was like That's thinking, good. like, we could be, we could be Kent State. Like, this is awesome. We're Kent State. We made the Elite yeah. Eight. Is this incredible? Yeah. You know, in modern basketball, right? It happened in '79 or whatever with Penn. But like, for for those next teams that came through, they went in there thinking, like, hey, if George Mason, could we do could be it, George we could Mason. Yeah. Um, where were you when you got the call that you got the job? Uh, I was in Miami, uh, try, you know, kind of, I didn't go, I decided not to go to New Orleans cause I thought maybe something was going to happen. And was, uh, kinda... did somebody tip you off. Did you, did you, did you know, you know, did coach say you got this thing? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the sense that maybe it, it was going to come that day and that, um, he was doing a little soul searching about, uh, you know, my time at Miami and, and the new opportunity and, I certainly wouldn't have been able to function in New Orleans. <laughs> so, so you're better are you to say. Are you driving? Where were yeah, you? I was driving. Yeah, I was driving. Tanya Vogel, our AD, called. Called. I uh, uh, was driving. Kind of pulled over uh, and uh, stepped out of the car to talk. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, you know, it was obviously exciting. What is that like when you when you hang up the phone? Obviously, you're going to call your wife, right? Yeah, of course. Yep. What My is... wife was with me actually. Oh, shoot. So that was good. She was yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. are you doing the. Or, yeah, I think I gave the thumbs up. Like she was looking at me with a call of concern, you know, face of concern. I just gave the thumbs up. Yeah. So what'd you tell her? What, what was the? Well, we're, we, I mean, we had obviously we've been talking a lot about it. So it was uh, for me, I'm such a creature of habit. Like what's been incredible is not not only to go to a place that you have some familiarity with, haven't been up here, but just a, a location that I'm, you know, we have so many friends here. We, I was there nine years. I, I, when I left George Mason, I said, I'll never be anywhere this long in coaching. Like, this is crazy. Nine years. And then I've been in Miami 11 years and now back to DC. So it's, uh, we're fortunate in that sense. Like I got a lot of things in my plate, but like, I don't really need a GPS, which is good. Uh, at what point in time did you allow yourself or you allow her to look at real estate? Oh man. I try, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> ever. You know, it's thing, like coaching. Right? You're like, it's like coaching. You're like, no, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves or whatever. But, I'm pretty sure my wife was on, you know, looking at real estate quite a bit. But again, the good thing is when you know the locations, like you kind of know, oh, we're going to need to live here, here, or here, or, you know. Um, so that that part, Miami okay, was so harder. I'll get cheated on that one. Okay, so I get one, I get, I get one more. Yeah, your sure. Day sure. today. Today is your first day. Today is your yeah. first day. Give me, yeah. give me, what, honestly, what, what does your day, like, are you hiring a staff today? Are you no, yeah, yeah, working meet, on meet and greet some, today? What do you have? What yeah, is me, yeah meet, meet and greet, you know, probably paperwork, meet and greet, all compliance, all that stuff. And then we're going to get on the court with the guys, you know, which is uh, the thing I'm most looking forward to. All the other stuff I have absolutely no uh, no desire to do, <laughs> paperwork and things like that, you know. I mean, if, like, if I could just be in the gym and somebody else could do the paperwork, that would be great, but I don't think that's going to happen. But it'll be great to meet a lot of people and – uh, there's actually a number of people that work with us at George Mason that, that actually work in the athletic department. So it'd be some, some familiarity there, but uh, yeah, hiring a staff is not easy. Um, obviously recruiting now in the, in the days of the portal, uh, who, who you can keep, how many, you know, who, who you're going to get, who you can keep all that stuff is uh, it, it, like, as you said, it keeps you up, keeps you up at night. All right. So give me a, give me a time sometime later this week. Cause I do want to get to the, the Miami stuff. You know, yeah. Miami, all that other stuff. Just think, just yeah. Tell me yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you. Yeah, I'll shoot you one and, and let you know. And, It'll be awesome. And I, 
I really appreciate it, man. Congratulations. No, Doug, uh, by the way, brother. dude, DC is the best. Go have fun. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So, all right, man. Appreciate Thank it, brother. Thank you again. Thanks. Appreciate we'll see you. All right, that's it for uh, for for Chris. He was awesome. Uh, my picks, I I think Kansas wins. I don't think Carolina's healthy with Baycott. I think they got to have some. Uh, they got to lack some gas in the tank. And um, I I feel like Kansas is playing their best ball. It doesn't mean they're going to hit as many shots as they hit the other night. That's why I like the under uh, the the game under. I like uh, halftime. Kansas game, four points. Kansas, I do think it's a close game until late. Kansas pulls away. Kansas pulls away. Man, we have so many good guests coming up. Some people have reached out and love the podcast. All of you that we ran into in New Orleans that love all ball, I appreciate you. I will take your suggestions. We will continue to evolve this show, continue to evolve the guests and the style with which we do it. In the meantime, um, remember my picks. And if I'm wrong, of course, you can tweet me and say that I'm an idiot because I picked the wrong team to win a basketball game. That's generally the way it works. In the meantime, I'm Doug Gottlieb and this is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.